Fortune 500 company was considering something almost unheard of. Uh, the board of directors was thinking about promoting a 38-year-old from vice president to president. Now, this young man was a very impressive businessman. Uh, he had wooed and awed the board of directors. And upon completing the final interview process, the board broke for lunch with the plans to offer this man the prestigious position. Well, the young man went to lunch alone that day. Uh, he was unintentionally followed by several of the board members uh, who happened to stand in line behind him. And naturally, they were watching him closely. They were filled with pride and excitement about this coming announcement. And just then everything changed. Uh, when the young man came to the bread section, uh, he placed two three-cent butter patties on his tray and he nonchalantly covered them up with his napkin. And when he paid for his meal, he didn't reveal the stolen treasures. Well, an hour later, a room that should have been filled with joy was instead marked by anger. And instead of being promoted to president, the young man with a promising future was fired, all for six cents worth of butter. Character matters, doesn't it? Especially for those in prominent leadership roles. So what are the characteristics that we should look for in leaders in the church? We'll stick around and we'll find out what the Bible says in just a moment. Good morning and welcome to Yonville Community Church. My name is Dan Bidwell, Senior Pastor here. We are so happy that you've joined us today as we stop to make time for God, as we stop to hear Him speak, as we stop to put all of our focus on Him and to bring glory and honour to Jesus as we're united with Him by the Holy Spirit. It's great that you are here and I hope you're looking forward to opening the Bible with me in just a few moments. But a couple of announcements before we do that. Uh, first, I'd love to connect with you over today's service. Uh, let us know what you think. Uh, let us know how God is challenging you or growing you or if there's any way that we can pray for you in your journey with Jesus. The um, best way to do that is to fill out a Connect card uh, on our website, www.yonvillechurch.org. Uh, if you're on YouTube, you can find the links in the comments section below. Well, second, we would love to see you in person. Uh, we're still a little way away from opening our church building after the reconstruction, but the elders and I uh, will be announcing our plan this week, uh, our opening plan this week at our monthly prayer meeting. Uh, that prayer meeting is on this Tuesday night from 7.30 to 8.30 p.m., both in person and on Zoom. Uh, as always, we will pray for our church, uh, but this month we'll also be praying for wider concerns in the U.S. as we join in the National Day of Prayer. Uh, you can find all the details for the prayer meeting on our church e-news as well as our other regular news. Uh, but for now, why don't we pray as we turn our attention to God's Word. Uh, Heavenly Father, will you speak to us now as we open the Bible? Uh, teach us about godly leadership and the importance of character. Uh, would you grow us in godliness so that we can serve your church in many different ways to the glory of Jesus. Amen. Well, last week we began a new series from the book of Titus. Uh, we're calling it Blueprint for a Healthy Church uh, because that's what we find in Titus. 
uh, the Apostle Paul's instructions to Titus for growing a godly and gospel-centered church. And in today's passage, the Apostle focuses on the importance of having godly and gospel-centered leaders in the church. Paul writes to Titus, The reason I left you in Crete was that you might put in order what was left unfinished and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. Titus 1.5 Paul had left Titus in charge of the churches in Crete. Uh, Crete was one of the Greek islands. Uh, we don't know how much uh, we don't know much about how the church was formed in Crete. Uh, in fact, most of what we know about the early Cretan church, uh, we know from this letter. Uh, so we don't know if Paul planted the church during one of his missionary journeys, uh, or if it was perhaps planted by someone else. But what we do know is that something was out of order in the Cretan churches. Something had been left unfinished, and that was to appoint godly elders in every town. For Paul... The blueprint for a healthy church means that each church needs leaders. Uh, now, I want to give a little caveat before we read further. As we read the next few verses, I want you to notice what the apostle focuses on when he talks about church leadership, and then I want you to notice what he doesn't focus on. Verse 6, An elder must be blameless, faithful to his wife, a man whose children believe and are not open to the charge of being wild and disobedient. Since an overseer manages God's household, he must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. Rather, he must be hospitable, one who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught, so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Titus 1, 6-9 For Paul, leadership in the church is not about setting up the right structures. It's more about finding the right people. And so Paul is much more concerned with godly character than leadership skills and competence. Paul says we ought to look for people of godly character who will lead the church in godliness, which of course was one of the overarching aims of the church from Titus 1.1. We read that last week. Now, the letter of, uh, to Titus has lots to say about leadership in the church, and next week we'll see the way that each of us is called to exercise leadership in different ways in the church, uh, from the oldest to the youngest, uh, men and women alike. And many of the leadership principles we see in today's passage, they'll be repeated um, and recommended to every one of us, uh, whether we find ourselves in an official position of leadership or not. So there's much to get, to get us thinking. Um, for some of us, I know, the idea of male eldership over the church might be problematic. Uh, as we read the passage, I want to remind you that Titus is not an exhaustive list of the ways that men and women exercise leadership in the New Testament churches. Uh, and actually, when we get to Titus chapter 2, there are significant roles for both men and women in discipling and teaching uh, in ways that contribute to the gospel effectiveness of the church. Um, that said, in our passage today, Paul does call for the appointment of male elders over each church. And that's the pattern we follow here at Yonkville Community Church. Uh, but the elders and I carry that responsibility with awareness that it is sensitive, uh, a sensitive issue for some. And so I want to assure you that the elders are actively discussing ways to ensure that female voices have a chance to speak into our church leadership. Um, so please pray for us as we seek to lead with godliness and sensitivity in this area. 
So what exactly should we look for in a leader? Well, first, we look for someone who is a godly leader at home. An elder must be blameless, faithful to his wife, a man whose children believe and are not open to the charge of being wild and disobedient. Titus 1.6 Paul says you can tell what kind of a leader someone will be by looking at their family and their family life because their family life will stand up to scrutiny. Or perhaps that's a way to understand the word blameless. If he's married, then he'll be a good husband. He'll be faithful to his wife, which means he's not someone who's known for inappropriate behavior or lewd comments. Uh, when it comes to his marriage, there'll be no red flags, if I can put it that way. And no worrying patterns of relating that expose deeper issues. Uh, in marriage, he will be blameless. He, he'll have unquestioned integrity. Uh, does an elder have to be married? Well, I don't think so. But this passage does ask us to consider that person's godliness and their integrity when it comes to relationships. But come back to the leader's family life again. He's someone who's brought up his children in the faith because the Christian faith has been a central part of their family life. His children believe. Just to clarify, though, this verse is probably referring to little children. We expect children, little children, generally to reflect the values and beliefs that they've been brought up with. Um, of course, there comes a point when children become responsible for their own choices and behaviours, and sadly, uh, we do see some children leave the church at that point. So I don't think this passage is trying to disqualify a leader because of the choices of their grown-up children, but the overall shape of the family's spiritual life is a good indicator of a leader's potential. Similarly, the orderliness of the family. Verse 7 says that an overseer manages God's household. And that's why we look at his management of his own family. If his own children are out of control, and I think this is probably talking about little children again, then we have to ask, will he be able to bring shape and structure and godly discipline to the, to the church family? So that's the first character trait. We look for someone who is godly at home. Secondly, we look for someone who is godly in all of life. 19th century preacher D.L. Moody said, Character is what you are in the dark. Paul says it's not enough for a leader to have a blameless home life. They need to demonstrate that blamelessness in every area of life. Because character and integrity, well, they shouldn't be tied to a particular context. A leader can't be pious at church and then potty-mouthed with his friends. They can't be somebody who gives to the church, sorry, gives to the poor at church and then withholds benefits from his own employees. That would make him a hypocrite. Instead, the right kind of leader is someone whose godly character remains the same wherever he finds himself. And so Paul lists out 11 Christian qualities of a leader who is blameless. That is, um, unimpeachable in their character, that they're unable to be accused in regard to their integrity. Uh, they're above reproach, as it says in 1 Timothy 3 verse 2. So first, we get a list of what the leader is not to be like. Verse 7. Since an overseer manages God's household, he must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent, and not pursuing dishonest gain. Could you imagine a boss who was all of those things, or a manager, or a husband? It would be terrible, wouldn't it? Christian leaders are to be profoundly different, profoundly transformed. 
Um, overbearing, it means bossy and domineering, the, the kind of leader who lords their status over others. And to be overbearing is the opposite of servant-hearted leadership, which was a core value for Jesus and, and a core value for Paul. Now, that doesn't mean that leaders should be doormats. Neither Jesus nor Paul was a pushover. But they both provide an excellent example of assertive leadership exercised in loving humility. Uh, a leader should not be quick-tempered. That is, they should be able to regulate their emotion and act according to their values rather than their feelings. Uh, this is sometimes called emotional intelligence or EQ. And there's been a great emphasis on this in the world of business leadership in recent years because EQ is a better indicator of leadership success than IQ. Character is more important than competence. And that measured temper means a leader won't be someone who is prone to violent outbreaks, nor will they be someone who is given to drunkenness. Um, I know the issue of alcohol is a contentious issue among Christians. Uh, some say we ought to abstain completely because of the, the damage that alcohol causes in individual lives and in broader society. Others note the way that alcohol consumption in moderation is permitted in both the Old and the New Testaments. And so I want to give you freedom to hold whichever position agrees with your conscience and your reading of Scripture. But the overarching character issue here is about alcohol abuse. Godly leaders won't be given to drunkenness, nor will they pursue dishonest gain. A leadership is full of temptations. And there's a long list of business leaders who've been guilty of fraud and embezzlement. But there's probably an equally long list of leaders who've resigned or been removed because of inappropriate use of company funds or benefits. And I know sometimes those can be grey areas. But for those who have oversight of church finances, we don't want any grey areas. We don't want to leave any room for our integrity to be questioned. Because financial mismanagement doesn't just damage the reputation of the leader involved. It damages the reputation of the church and the gospel and ultimately our mission to share the good news about Jesus. And we don't want Jesus to be associated with fraudulent leaders. So if you're in leadership or pursuing leadership, your motivation ought to be the desire to serve rather than the desire to get paid uh, or to get something out of it. As a leader myself, I have to constantly ask myself the same questions. Am I, am I doing what I'm doing out of godly motivation? Am I leading as a servant? Am I leading as Jesus would lead? Well, those are the negatives. Uh, that's what we don't want to see in Christian leaders. Now let's move on to the character traits that we do want to see from verse 8. Rather, he must be hospitable, one who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. Titus 1 verse 8. If we were to sum this list up, the quintessential character for a Christian leader is godliness. Each of the six characteristics here are characteristics that we could attribute to God or Jesus. And so they ought to be part of the character of someone whose life is patterned after God, or whose life is being transformed by the Holy Spirit to be more like Jesus, as it says in Romans 8.29. He is hospitable. He welcomes people in just like God welcomed us when we were strangers. He loves what is good. God, of course, at the very core of his nature, is good. And it's impossible for God to do evil. It's against his nature. And so the growing Christian will want to be like God. They'll want to reject evil and choose what is good. 
he's self-controlled and disciplined, that is, he's able to manage himself, uh, to manage his temper and his temptations. Uh, I think of Jesus who was tempted in every way, but never sinned, Hebrews 4.15. Of course, we don't expect leaders to be perfect like Jesus, because it's not possible. But we do want to make sure that our leaders are taking regular steps to deal with sin and to put it out of their lives. And we want leaders who are upright and holy. Uh, We could find ourselves scared when the Bible asks us to be blameless or holy. Uh, In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus teaches that we're to be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect, Matthew 5, 48. Now, we know that none of us is perfect. So how can we expect our leaders to maintain a standard of holiness and a, a standard of righteousness, which is another way to translate that word upright? Well, the answer is not about finding leaders who are morally perfect. If they claim that, then we know that they're liars. Instead, we're looking for leaders who have understood the gospel. That is, they've understood that we're, the way that we're not saved because of the righteous things we've done, but because of God's mercy. That's from Titus chapter 3. People who've been forgiven by Jesus uh, and whose lives are being transformed by the Holy Spirit are uh, to be made more and more into the likeness of Jesus. That's what godliness looks like in a leader. To go back to the opening verse of Titus, their faith and knowledge have led to godliness. Now, we can say that those are universal character traits for leaders in the church. And we'll see next week the way that the apostle encourages the same kind of godliness for everyone across the church. But there is one more characteristic that's especially needed when it comes to elders. And that's the ability to hold firm to biblical truth. Part of the background context of Paul's letter to Titus is that the churches in Crete had been exposed to teaching that undermined the gospel. I'd been taught by leaders who undermined the gospel by their character. Verse 10. For there are many rebellious people full of meaningless talk and deception, especially those of the circumcision group. They must be silenced because they are disrupting whole households by their teaching, uh, by teaching things that they ought not to teach, and that for the sake of dishonest gain. Verse 16, they claim to know God, but by their actions, they deny him. They are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for anything, for doing anything good. Titus 1, 10 to 11 and 16. In the relatively young church at Corinth, all kinds of leaders had sprung up, And they'd put themselves into positions of leadership. But we see here that their understanding of the gospel and their godly character were deficient. And they weren't leading the church into godliness. They were leading the people away from the truth. And that's why Paul wants Titus to appoint the right kind of leaders in the churches. Leaders whose character is above reproach. And leaders who can teach the gospel message faithfully. Look at the final qualification for an elder with me at Titus 1.9. He must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught, so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. One of the best parts about being human is the minds that God has given us um, as creatures made in his image. We are creative and expressive and analytical, and, and that means we come up with all kinds of amazing new ideas and philosophies and ways to understand the world. Christians do that too. We are thinkers by nature. But the danger of thinking is to put human wisdom 
above the wisdom of God. And that's why Paul wants to make sure that in every church there are godly and mature thinkers who can assess every wave of new thinking against the unchanging truths of the gospel. Now that's a big responsibility that falls principally on my shoulders as your pastor and elder. But I'm assisted by our other elders as they keep pointing me back to the gospel and as they keep pointing our church back to the gospel time and time again. Because our focus here at Yonville Community Church is on teaching the message of Jesus faithfully as it's been passed down to us in the Bible. Um, We are people of the word, uh, it says in our belief statement uh, on the website. In all matters of life and faith, we seek carefully to understand God's will for us as revealed in the Bible. Uh, And as your pastor and your elder, that's my commitment to you, that I'll keep leading our church in accordance with sound doctrine, and that I'll keep pointing us back to the gospel when new ideas seek to lead us away from the truth. Uh, But I can't do that alone. I'm really thankful for the godly men on our elder board, and I'd ask you to keep them in your prayers as our church enters a new phase of ministry. I'd also ask you to pray that the Lord would raise up more godly leaders for our church, and not just elders, but leaders for a host of ministries like Bible studies and explore groups and kids' church and care ministry, just to name a few. That's part of our blueprint for a healthy church, raising up godly leaders. So why don't you pray uh, with me that God would grow us into that kind of healthy church. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for your word today about godly leaders in the church. Father, we do pray for all who are in leadership at our church. We pray that you would grow in them the godly characteristics that we've seen in this passage. And Father, we ask that you would raise up many more leaders in our church, people of godly character and mature faith who are godly at home and godly in all the areas of life. We pray, Father, for uh, godly leaders who help us uh, encourage uh, in people in faith, uh, who disciple people in the gospel, uh, who reach out with the message of Jesus into the Napa Valley and beyond. Father, for all of us, whether we're in a formal leadership or not, will you grow us in that kind of godliness to the praise and glory of Jesus? Uh, and we pray this in his name. Amen. Amen.